I really think that if you are an artist or you're creative, be yourself as much as you can. The more that you are yourself creatively, the more that your friends, your networks, your community can put you in the right place. I've really learned that over the last couple of years. Like you don't have to hide who you are to find your place. Hey there. My name is Kim, and this is my podcast, Power Up Your Performance. I believe that we have the power to rewrite our stories, change the trajectory of our lives, pour love into the world, conquer monumental challenges, and that movement can be a catalyst for change. Let's grow together. Welcome to Power Up Your Performance. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. My name is Kim Peek, and I am so excited that you're spending time with me today. As the mother of three creative girls, I spend a lot of time thinking about creativity, how to tap into creativity, how to make money using creativity, how to stay organized as someone who's more right-brained. After all, we probably do want to get my three creative children off the family payroll sooner rather than later. So I was really, really excited to talk to today's guest. He's a filmmaker, marketer, creative person, and he has built communities, started projects, and pursued his passions throughout his entire life. Jeff Dolan is the CEO of Wave, a cloud-based platform that helps podcasters and other audio creators keep marketing on social media simple. He's a podcaster, musician, and award-winning filmmaker who loves to encourage creators of all stripes. We talked about the benefits of arts education, the importance of collaboration, and how anyone, no matter where they live, can create a platform for themselves and others. We'll delve into the dynamics of creativity and accountability, balancing priorities, and finding time to pursue what you love. So sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired. Welcome to the show, Jeff. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Thanks, Kim. Glad to be on. So I would like to hear, you are a very creative person. Could you tell us a little bit just about how your creative endeavors have helped you appreciate life more fully? Wow, that's a deep one. I think I've always been creative. And I think the modern system kind of beats it out of us over time, right? I remember being in kindergarten and having our art project be, you know, to create a beautiful butterfly and like all the kids jumped right to it and started drawing and crafting and gluing and cutting. And I didn't see one of them say, Oh, I don't know. I don't think I'm good at that. Or, Oh, you know, what should I draw or what should it look like? Or no hesitation, just all in. Right. And so I think that wonder and that excitement about creativity is something that you have to consciously keep in your mind the whole time and and know that as we get older scientifically like our brain plasticity gets not as not as plastic basically not as mm-hmm. malleable so mm-hmm. it's harder for us to be more innovative and creative as we get older and so just maintaining awareness of that has helped me to always challenge myself and always push myself creatively, even in life and whatever environment I'm in, uh, because it that curiosity and that just ability to tackle the unknown 
uh, helps you in life, especially when life is changing so fast. (laughs) I totally agree too about something just about our educational system. Just really, really, I wouldn't say discourages creativity, but I do feel like you get the creativity beaten out of you as you advance through the educational system. And I have three daughters and they're all very, very creative. And so this has just kind of been a thing of mine that, I mean, I don't know how you force somebody to be a creative if they don't want to be, but I've always been really happy that they've stayed creative and had those other creative outlets in their mm. lives too. So I yeah, know, and, go ahead. Yeah, we, I mean, when you say beat it out of us, it's hard to explain. Like teachers want you to get the right answer. And so the kids want the to get the right answer, right? But art doesn't have a right answer. <laughs> and And so that, the beating that we're talking about is like the constant reminder of like, you got to learn the right way to do it. This is the, this is the answer. This is how you do it. Don't do that, do this. And so when it comes to art, it's a blank canvas and the kids are scared over time. Cause they're like, well, what if I do it wrong? And I think we just have to shift. That's why having an art teacher, I think growing up in, in all my schooling was really beneficial because you would, go to math class and be like, no, there's only one right answer. And then you go to art class and there's like a blank canvas and you, there's a million right answers. Right. And so I'm always sad when I hear like art is being defunded in schools or like not, not taught anymore. Cause it's fluff quote unquote. Right. Mm-hmm. So important. Yeah. Um, my daughters all grew up doing theater and singing and I just always have felt like it's a super important thing. Yes. And my yeah. youngest daughter is a freshman studying a science science related program in college right now. Mm. And I keep on reminding her that, I mean, you are creative. And I think that the best part about being a creative person, especially in a field of science and being a young woman, is that it's yeah. going to set her apart because you she will be able to see those creative connections or just see things that other people can't because they haven't worked to develop that part of their brain. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. And it, and it's super important to have those different perspectives. I mean, if you look at most successful people and really dig into their personal lives, some of them are public with the creative side of it, but usually they have a instrument they play that you didn't know they were really good at, or they have some, they love painting or they, there's some creative side of them that balances out their genius in some way. And you just, you have to dig a little deeper on, on some people that are more private about it, but they usually have that. So like highly intelligent people usually have some sort of creative element uh, involved in their life. And so you were a filmmaker also, in addition to the software company that you own or that you're CEO of. Um, How did you get involved with filmmaking? Yeah, that's a great question. So I feel like when I was younger, the only thing they had were were these big clunky VCR looking devices to film, like home, you know, (laughs) you're nodding. So (laughs) yeah, but the young younger folks listening are probably like, what? You didn't always have a phone with a camera on it? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. But yeah, there were these big, huge home recorder, video recorders. And uh, I remember hearing about them when I was younger. And I was like, man, I wish I could get hold of one of those. Like my family, it was much later. I think I was probably in like 
late elementary school or middle school before I actually got my hands on one to actually start filming. And it was just a rush. I mean, I was filming little movies in middle school with my friends. And when I babysit kids, I would say, all right, you're the star of the movie. I'm the director. Go. What are we filming? (laughs) And I would make little movies. And then when the parents came home, they would get to watch their son or daughter or, or multiple kids star in the movie. Right. So I feel like I've always been in filmmaking at some level and then but i really kind of got more serious about it when i was living in nashville and i saw the opportunity to lead the nashville filmmakers group which was a big meetup group there that um just kind of went by the wayside and nobody was leading it and so i jumped in became the leader you know kind of galvanized the group and once that was activated i mean we had you know, double or triple the amount of participation. We had all these new artists coming in and I was really trying to educate everyone on the idea that you, you can be an art project director of anything, but especially with film, it encompasses all the art forms in it. So whether you're a musician or a painter or a, a, you know, a, fashion designer or a makeup artist or a business person or an accountant or I mean, every part is involved in a film. And so I was really encouraging like all the different arts to get involved because it's not just the actors and actresses on the screen or the people behind the camera. It's there's a whole bunch of other art that happens. And so there were people in the group that they had no experience whatsoever in film. And they got really excited by this idea. And one lady was like, well, I, you mean I can just direct a film and I don't know anything about film? And I'm like, yes. And she's like, how does that work? Well, put your, you know, CEO hat on. (laughs) What, who do you need on your team that can do all the jobs to accomplish the project, right? It's like, well, I need a writer. I need a script. I need a director. I need a, a director of photography that shoots the, with the camera. I need the lights. I need, right, the actresses, the actors. I need those, right? And so as we put together these teams for all these folks, uh, I really saw the excitement. And I, of course, was part of that. One of those was my film. And so we, I think that first year we launched like, I don't know what it was, around a dozen films, uh, short films. And, you know, several of the folks have gone on to Hollywood, writing, directing. I mean, it's amazing uh, what what I've seen out of that group. And then when I started having kids, I realized really quickly that uh, my my extra free time got drastically shifted. <laughs> so so um, <clears throat> I had to kind of step down from, from doing the filmmaking. Uh, and... Uh, so now it's kind of one of those things I want to get back to as soon as I can. So that's kind of where I'm, I'm at. One of the things I love about what you said is just that by creating this group or reinvigorating this group, the number of people that you empowered to realize, yeah, I could do this. Yes. And even if they didn't want to do it long-term professionally, they were able to get in and get involved. And just be part of that scene and be creative. And I think that's really awesome. It was awesome. I mean, it's it's still awesome to this day. I mean, there's still folks meeting and doing it. And I really feel like we were part of kind of a renaissance in Nashville of the filmmaking community, right? 
and it all kind of fed into itself. And, and even some of the more professional Hollywood level folks were getting involved and helping us and doing different things. And so it was really fun. I mean, I, I wanted to try to start it again here in Wilmington, North Carolina, because Wilmington is one of the top, you know, or was one of the top filmed film filming locations in the country uh, as far as where films are shot. And there's some big studios here uh, that can kind of contribute to that. And I've, I've had a lot of interest of folks like, please, you know, get that started again. But as you know, anything like that, there's a lot of um, kind of behind the scenes work you have to do to invest in, in building that community. But I think one day when I, when my kids get a little older, I'll definitely jump back in uh, and, and create that. But anyone, like you said, can create the platform or the opportunity for people to have a creative outlet, Right. And I think whatever your art is, if you feel you're in isolation in whatever city you're in, because I know a lot of artists, especially in filmmaking, I'll talk to them and they're like, well, I'm in this little town in middle America. And I, you know, I don't know anybody in Hollywood or I don't know anybody that can do anything. It's like, hey, do you have a phone? <laughs> do you have some friends that would like to be on camera? Like just get started. And I was trying to make the point that anyone in a small town that's doing something like that is going to attract a lot of attention and talent in that town. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine if you're, uh, your daughter, right. And you love acting and you don't really have a movie you're in or a film or a play going on or anything. Right. If an independent person just all of a sudden started putting the word out in the town that like, Hey, I'm, I'm making a film. Or like, hey, I'm going to do a, a play or I'm going to put on this you know, new thing. And I'm looking for actresses. I'm looking for actors. I'm looking for, right? Mm -hmm. What else is going on in the town? Like, you're it. Like, you're the thing. So, so just by opening that opportunity up and inviting other creators to be good at what they're doing, they can just jump in and start making the thing amazing. And then everybody has ownership of it because it's a, it's a fun thing. And some people get hung up on the business side of it, right? They're like, well, you know, who owns the intellectual property and who, you know, if it takes off, what's, you know, who's going to do what? Are we going to get paid? Do we need to form an LLC? Do we need to form a company? Do we need insurance? All this stuff, right? And what I've found in leading uh, these kind of groups is it's all on the goodwill basis. It's all on a volunteer basis, right? The The spirit of it is we're all helping each other to be creative and have fun. So, and and what I was trying to communicate and educate the, the group on is some, any sort of artistic endeavor, especially in filmmaking, where you are working with a team to accomplish something, the team is the thing you're really building, right? Because if you go to any Hollywood level filmmaking crew, why do, why do you always see like similar actors and directors working together? Mm -hmm, right. right. Why do you see like, oh, that director always likes working with these actors or this director always picks this director of photography to shoot all this stuff or this editor or this colorist or whatever. It's because when you're in the filmmaking world and you know that you can you can envision in your mind something and get it on camera and this team got you there, man, the level of trust and you're in the trenches with them creating and they show up and they have integrity 
and they do good work, that is gold. That is gold. And so to have that team is what you're really building when you're doing practice volunteer type of projects. You're really finding your team. And if you're good enough, you can take that team all the way to the top. And that, and I've seen it happen, right? And so out of those, uh, I kind of joke, it's very similar to when I was younger in rock bands growing up, right? You kind of try out in the in the town you're in, like, who are the good drummers? Who can sing? Who can, right? And you, and you kind of rearrange yourselves in different bands until you mm-hmm. find like this the group that actually takes you somewhere and gets you playing in gigs outside of your town and touring and stuff. It's very similar to that. Uh, but the modern day band is a is an artistic band, right? And you can do this on YouTube. You can say, "Hey, we're going to do a an improv comedy troupe, and we're going to just do YouTube videos, or we're going to do a filmmaker crew, or we're going to have a what you name it, whatever the thing is that you're going to want to do, you can do it today, and it's it's awesome." I think that that's a really amazing point. Is that in a lot of cases the middleman has been taken out. We all have the power to. Um, create our own work, create our own opportunity. Another thing that I really love about what you're saying is that just through whatever art form you're choosing, there is the power to collaborate with other people, which is like a great skill to have no matter what you do. And then also the community that you form. And I think that this is something that when you grow up, you, you start to have all these responsibilities and you start to let the things that you're passionate about slide and yes. you don't make time for those things anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, I th- but community we know is an important part of mental health. It's an important part of longevity in life. And so this is one way you can kind of justify your hobbies too, because you're doing this for your overall wellness too. Yes, hundred percent. And I've realized this too. And this is kind of correlates with um, physical fitness, like working out and and, and being healthy. Uh, there's a large percentage of the population, and like I don't know if it's personality types or whatnot, but they will show up if there's like a trainer or a buddy or someone they're working out with or running with or something in community. They'll they'll have that accountability to show up. Whereas if it was just on them to like go to the gym, they'd be like, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Right, right. Or they miss so many times that it it doesn't really help them, right? So having the the community, like you're saying, it 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 knocks out two birds with one stone. You get your creative outlet and you have a community, right? Mm -hmm. So you get that relational uh aspect going. So now you have all these creative things you've always you've spent your lifetime doing, but you also have a software company. How do you find time? to juggle all the things that you do? Oh, yeah. I I think there's an easy answer, right? Which is just, well, you have to balance it all out and, you know. But the creator brain side of me, the answer is you don't balance it out. Like you don't do it all. <laughs> I feel like I go 150% all in on one thing and everything else falls by the wayside. And then I'm like, okay, time to pay attention to this other bucket. Yeah. And then you kind of divert attention back to other priorities. Right. Yeah. There's, there's different 
uh, takes on it. One take is like, well, you just balance everything and you're an inch deep and a mile wide and no project ever gets done. And you just feel like you're just spinning your wheels. And, and then the other take is like, well, like you said, I'm, I'm not balancing, I'm counterbalancing. I'm always off balance. Cause I'm always doing hundred percent, you know, all in on one thing. And then I'm flipping over to something else and I'm right. Your project by project. Um, my dad was a Marine pilot. And he said in the military, they had uh, these this study and where they tried to give more than, I think it was three priorities to their different units. And they found that at three, it was the optimal, three main things they were doing or working on, right? If they, if they went to four, one of them started to get weak. And then if they went to five, one of them would be dropped. Like one of them would just not get done. So they, they ended up going back to a three focus priority metric, uh, where your brain can kind of highly function on three different, you know, Mm -hmm. projects that you're mainly working on. So if you're like your daughter, like you're, you got to study for nursing, right? You got to like, that's like a major attention focus pull in your life. And maybe you have your dating or you have a relationship or you have, you know, pets or you have kids or like whatever the other major thing is. So that leaves like one other thing you can do. And that's where the the concept of the side hustle comes in, right? Like, well, I've got this extra time. Am I going to fill it Netflix and chill? Am I going to fill it with, you know, going out with my buddies at night drinking? Am I going to, you know, what am I going to do to fill this other slot? And some people that are ambitious or creative are like, no, I'm going to go in all, all in on my art project and, and, and work on that. So I feel like through that, uh, metric, it is hard, right? Because as a, as a leader of a company, uh, leader of my family, I got a lot of extra responsibilities there is a very, and I've got young kids too. So there's a very small window of time during the week that I have to work on anything. And I remember sitting down, I got, you know, my, all my, uh, mics and production stuff. I've got, you know, keyboards and bass, you know, all this music stuff. And I was like, man, I'm going to learn. I saw this, uh, video on Instagram or something teaching me some production tip. And I was like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to try that because that's that looks really cool. I literally had two hours. It was like, you know, 11 at night or something. And I was like, oh, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to figure this out. Two hours went by. I had only just set it up to be able to record. <laughs> I had got all the little buttons and things working where I was like, okay, it sounds good. And now I can start something. And it was like, and it's one o'clock. Let's it's time for bed. Oh. <laughs> But that's, you know, that comes with the territory. It's just, it's part of it. And I think part of you has to be okay with the chaos of that. And just knowing that if you really love it, you'll make time for it and you'll make it, make it a priority. And I think I'm conscious. I'm, I'm, I'm consistently checking myself on the balance between do I love this or am I just searching for, am I searching for something? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's hard to explain. Like, um, like is, is me spending time on this, the 
the outlet that I need creatively, I guess is the question. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes we chase shiny objects, right? Like the the shiny object syndrome where, where like I was saying, like, oh, I see this video. It's like, wow, that's cool. You know, ancient calligraphy. Like, oh, let me try to go learn that. Like, okay. <laughs> like, what do you really... Now, there's nothing wrong with stuff like that where it's like, I'm going to go learn how to draw anime today or something, right? Like, there's nothing wrong with those kind of creative outlets because I think you need some of that. But when you're slammed like someone like me where you've got a lot going on, you really do need to pick and choose, right? Like, for instance, I had a a friend that was like, hey, I'm working on this new film. Would you like to be a part of it? And I was trying to educate him on all that's involved with it. I don't think he knew yet. And it was like, do you realize what you're asking? (laughs) (laughs) You're asking for like hours and hours and all nighters and crazy amounts of work. And, you know, there's a reason they have the 48 hour film festival where it's like, we're just gonna get all this done and be done. (laughs) Okay. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and how all of the creative things that you do led you to that point in your life. Yeah. So I had been in corporate America. I I got out of college and it was kind of the first big crash after the dot-com boom and nobody's getting jobs. It was really like, okay, recessionary, like what's happening? Um, I had known that I wanted to be a leader of some sort over a business, over a film, over something. And so I knew that part of that was uh, learning how to sell. And that was like the last thing I wanted to ever do. I mean, I literally, I remember being like a sophomore or junior and I was looking at people getting sales jobs and I was like, man, you're just selling your soul. Like, what are you doing? That's like the the last thing you should be doing. (laughs) Um, And so I I did the, the, uh, the hard thing, right? It's like, okay, recessionary, I might as well just bite the bullet and learn the hardest thing that I'm going to have to learn in business and just get it over with. And just, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, because if you have anything you're creating, if you don't know how to market and sell it, nobody knows you exist. <laughs> yep. And so, and this was before social media, right? This was like before all the stuff that's happening now where it's even more amplified but I, I got into that. And then what happened was, and I'm sure some of the listeners will uh, laugh at this, but you get what's called the golden handcuffs, where you get paid just enough to where when you look at an alternative, like, oh, I can go do this creative career, right? It's like, well, but it doesn't pay anything. Mm-hmm. So do I want to be happy or do I want to get paid? And so you have that constant fight. And I was trying to figure out like at some point my creativity is going to balance out and I'll get, I'll have that equilibrium where it's like, okay, I I can do this creative thing and get paid for it. Like, why is it either or, right? Um, My friend, Jeff Goins uh, has a a book called Real Artists Don't Starve, where Mm. he says it's a false dichotomy to say, a starving artist. Like you don't have to be a starving artist. You can make money at it, (laughs) but you do need to know how to sell yourself and get yourself and get your work out there. And so, but I went through corporate America. I was not the artist, right? I was very much straight laced suit, you know, going to work, working with doctors and very professional situations. 
And I could not, I did not have many outlets. As much as I tried, it was very hard. And that was kind of the desert part of my <laughs> creative, my creative life, right? And so as I started getting more skills and really getting experience in the sales field, I started realizing there was a major shift happening in business where people were now pre-selling themselves online because of the online social media, their networks, all the things they were reading online. They were able to make buying decisions without talking to a salesperson. So by the time they got there, it was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm, I'm, you know, I feel like I'm bugging people, like instead of educating them and creating conversations that can help them make a buying decision, they're already coming in like, Hey, I already know what your features are. I know what you're doing. So I knew that it was shifting more towards marketing. And there was a lot of the, the heavy lifting being done by marketing so that when, you know, it got to the sale, it was, it was kind of a, a different role. And so I started doing, uh, helping clients on the side with marketing, digital marketing. And that's when some of my friends that had seen me kind of launching, uh, you know, growing revenue with different companies and my clients, they were like, Hey, we're a private equity company now. Can you lead one of our companies? And Hey, we know you're creative. What about we put you in charge of this? software company that's also serves podcasters and it helps them market their podcast. Right. So it was one of those things where it was like the perfect, uh, situation for somebody like me, where it's like business and creative together. Mm -hmm. And that was just such a cool, you know, it was like a God thing. It was just like, wow, this is, this is exactly where I need to be. And it was very clear. And so, uh, that's kind of how I got this, this role. And I've said this before, but I really think that if you are an artist or you're creative, be yourself as much as you can. The more that you are yourself creatively, the more that your friends, your networks, your community can put you in the right place. I think I've really learned that over the last couple of years. Like you don't have to hide who you are to find your place. So tell us about Wave and what the product does for for podcasters. Yeah. So like film, uh, a podcast usually has, you know, 20 to 40 minute episodes, an hour, sometimes more if you're Joe Rogan, right? (laughs) You got the three hour podcast, Um, but they're longer, right? They're longer than the 30 second TikTok or, or whatnot. And so Whenever you have longer content called long form content, it's very important for you to market that in a way that gives people different on ramps into that. I'll give you an example. In film, they don't just release the whole entire film and say, hey, go check out this film. Here it is. (laughs) And you just have to start watching at the beginning. You're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this. I don't know what it's about. Right. You watch a trailer. Right. And so to a a two-hour film, you're going to have a trailer that has little highlight clips of all sorts of cool moments that when you see it, you're going to say, oh, there's a moment that I want to see. I want to see that play out on on the bigger story on the screen, right? And that's why they do those trailers because for different people, there's going to be a different moment in that trailer that's going to hook them. And they're going to say, man, that actor or that actress Mm -hmm. or that situation or that storyline. I got to see that. And the thing that we need to do for 
um, podcasters is the same. And so what Wave does is it helps you create those trailers for your podcast. So you can take your audio, we'll put some visuals with it to make it interesting to look at and capture you when you're scrolling, when people are scrolling. And we'll let you do that without having to edit anything. Uh, it's just really easy. We'll take your audio, turn it into video, and then you can post that on social media. So that's what Wave helps you do. Helps podcasters and, and musicians and radio and speakers and people that they don't want to get into, you know, Adobe Premiere or you know any of the big heavy editing apps. Right? Uh, they don't want to get overwhelmed with a bunch of buttons. They just want to get their podcast uh, to out to the world in an easy way. So that's what Wave helps. I love it. And do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to leave people with about creativity or business in general? I think where I'm at right now that I would want to encourage people at is just keep going. And what I mean by that is, I think there's a lot of people that I've met, especially creators that because they stop creating at some point, the momentum to get started again is harder. And then every year that goes by or every week or every month that goes by where they're not creating, it just gets harder and harder. Mm -hmm. So I would say keep going, meaning even if it's the most minor little thing that you do, just do it. Do that little thing every day that you know you can do just to keep that muscle going so that when you really can put more effort into it, there's momentum there. And that's what I would say to encourage your, your audience. That's great advice. Well, thank you for being on the show today. It was great talking to you. Oh, yeah, that was amazing. Thanks. Thank you for joining me for season four of Power Up Your Performance. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend, rate, review, and follow. Dream big and get out there and explore. <laughs>